Hello, I'm Sarah Moradif, the Director of Radical Manifest Unlimited. The purpose of this podcast is to inspire and motivate people to live their dreams. Welcome to Nina. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really good. And where are you from? I'm from New Hampshire in the United States. Oh, that's cool. A, very, a bit of a British name though, isn't it? The Hampshire. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yes. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself, please. Sure. So I have been a police officer for about 10 years. I am also the survivor of both domestic violence and sexual assault. And I recently published my first young adult novel um, focusing on sexual assault and teen dating violence. When did you publish that? It came out right at the end of June of this year. Wow, and how's that going? It's going really well. Um, I have gotten some really great feedback from the audience that I'm trying to reach, those young adults that um, aren't being taught this kind of thing. And so I'm hopeful that through reading my novel and through just conversations that they that my novel can inspire, that they can start learning some of the signs and not get themselves in the situation that I got myself into. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they really talk about it much in schools, do they? I know they don't talk about it here. No. And the problem is, I think that, you know, people want to pretend that it's an adult issue and that it doesn't affect teens and, and yeah. young kids. And it does. It, it happens all the time, unfortunately. Yeah. That's quite sad, isn't it? So, yeah, as you're right, if, if they taught it more, in schools and and I think more like for me I think in an instinctive way because I know in the UK they tend to teach this sort of like stranger danger to kids I think the only thing with that is on some level you end up scared of everybody yeah and unfortunately it's not always the strangers that are the issue yes exactly if anything it's probably not (laughs) I think exactly it's more like the people you know isn't it Yeah, statistically it is. And certainly for me, the man that ended up becoming my abuser, I met him when we were both just 11 years old and no one had ever taught me what a toxic relationship was. So I grew up in this toxic relationship and didn't even know. So when it became a toxic marriage, it just seemed like normal. And did you both get married pretty young? Was that? Yeah, we we were in our early 20s. Um, It was a we, I had basically known him for 15 years. We started dating after high school, so we were friends at first, and it was a toxic friendship. Right. But but I didn't know that because I didn't yeah. know that that existed. So when the toxic friendship became a toxic relationship and then the toxic relationship became a toxic marriage, it just kind of transformed without me really noticing, even, even though I was trained to look for those kind of things as a police officer, because it had been going on so long, it was just our normal. So I could make all sorts of excuses for it. Yeah. And I think what I kind of, for myself, I'm a, I'm a domestic abuse survivor that's the right way to but um I know when you're in it you don't you don't see the wood for the trees do you, you think it's normal or you don't know even if you think it's not normal whatever it is you know you think maybe maybe I'm overthinking this or how do I get out of it you know it's like I've been slightly thinking about this lately myself I mean like no one actually directly asked me and the only time they directly asked me was in front of him 
yeah, it's, it's so hard to recognize in the moment because you do, you are conditioned to question yourself. So when you start to see the things that you're like, wait a minute, that seems weird. You're like, no, never mind. I'm overthinking or I'm making this yeah. rather than seeing it for what it really is. Yeah. And I also think as well, like with your situation, it sounds like quite, I don't mean what happens as romantic, but I mean you meeting him as a teenager, becoming married. It sounds like a, like a sort of love story, like a romantic love story, doesn't it? But you know, absolutely, obviously it wasn't, but I suppose in your head, it's probably, you know, in your mind. And I think sometimes, like, thankfully nowadays it's starting to be less and less, but there's a bit of a toxic idea of, like, the one, you know, as in you meet someone and they're the one. I mean, I, like, I do think you can meet several, <laughs> the ones over your lifetime, but it's not necessarily one. So what I mean is we can sometimes tie ourselves to one relationship thinking, oh, this is the one I'll never find someone someone like him. And you're like, afterwards, you're like, I'm quite pleased I'm never going to find someone like him. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we've romanticized that idea of that high school sweetheart where you, you know, find that true love in high school and that somehow that's better than if you were to try and find a, a relationship after high school or something. Yeah. And I remember that being something a lot of people said to us when we were for, you know, first starting our relationship and first getting engaged and things like that. Like everybody was, oh, you guys are like meant to be together and it's so perfect and you have this history and all of this stuff. And so everyone else seemed to approve of what we were doing. So that made it harder for me to justify that it wasn't okay. So it just, it yeah. just developed almost out of my control. And I like I um, did some volunteering with something called victim support here and we did we did stuff about domestic abuse and those scenarios and very often the person that's the perpetrator will look to the outside like they they're not I'm not don't get you know everyone can be nice in different aspects anyway but they make out they're nice like it's so if you ever did say oh well he's doing this to me they're like what if can you think that uh, you know What's you know, so it ends up being you almost feel even worse about it because you think you're just imagining it. Absolutely. They I mean, that's part of the game, right? They put on yeah. this show for everybody else, and you're the only one that's ever seen the other side. So when you do try to talk about it, or you even just test the waters by saying something a little bit negative about him, then you know, people react negatively. And so you automatically shut down. Like you don't want to share anything else. Yeah. You don't want to talk about it because you don't think you can. Yeah. They put on this, this mask for everybody else and people believe it. And so that makes it even harder to come forward or get away. Yeah. And I think unfortunately there's still that stereotype in society. And I'm sure it's the same in the U S where even if a woman has does speak out if they don't if if they don't fit a certain stereotype they're not listened to like it's you know it's still thought to be you know someone that's sort of working class so I'm not saying it is I'm just saying that's what the stereotype mm -hmm. is you know someone that's working class maybe is not financially secure etc but it can happen to anybody it can you know be someone that's a lawyer I mean for yourself you were a police officer so it shows it absolutely you know it's not a economic thing is no and it, it can it can happen to absolutely anyone from every every walk of life every sexuality every gender it it doesn't yeah. discriminate 
but we do. We have this very specific image of what we think a domestic violence survivor should look like in our mind. And when any, anyone comes forward that doesn't fit that or... Um, if the abuser that they're describing doesn't fit that image that we're picturing, then all of a sudden we discount whatever they've gone through and we just assume that it can't be true. And that's something we need to overcome as a, a general society because that's what's keeping so many people quiet. Yeah, because they're not, they're not, they're afraid to leave. Like, I, I remember afterwards people saying to me, why did you stay? And it's like, because I, I couldn't leave at the time. Or like he would, he would because I was quite young at the time, I was like 24, I think. So, you know, I was still in that age where if he said, oh, I'll leave you, I'm like, no, don't leave. You know, you get, I'm like, it's scared. Well, what's he going to do if I, if I, you know, what's going to happen if he, um, if he leaves, would I be able to live without him, you know? Yeah, there's so many, so many different reasons that you can come up with and that people use to justify staying in the relationship. And it's the easiest question in the world to say, why didn't you leave? But then when you do leave, people are like, well, why are you why, leaving? Why, why are you leaving? Why didn't you stay? He's gonna... Yeah, why didn't you work harder to make it work? Or, you know, why aren't you going to therapy or trying something new oh or God. whatever? And it's, it's really frustrating because you can't, you can't be right. You know, no matter yes. what you do, somebody's questioning. Yeah, they don't, I bet they don't say that to, to him. Nope. <laughs> like I had it because like my daughter, she's eight, bless her. And then um, um, she, she goes, sw she goes swimming and they said they didn't want to wear in a bikini because of, because of child safety issues. And I was like, well, who, who, who does she, child protection issues, they said. And I was like, well, who does she need protecting from? Why are we? Why are we changing what she wears as opposed yep. to saying to them they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be looking or they shouldn't, you know, it's, it's, I still think society is very much a bit of a victim blaming, even crime prevention is very much, you know, don't leave your purse in the car, your wallet or whatever in the car in case it gets stolen, not. Don't steal things. Yeah, don't steal the stuff, you know. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's, it's a double standard and it's somehow, somehow, no matter what you do, it's your fault. Yeah. It's just it, like, I think it's a lot the same with most crimes, isn't it? I find myself with, in the past, like I've been scammed and whatever reason, and it's a, you know, you even say to yourself, oh, I shouldn't have been that stupid to have got caught up in this scam or whatever. And it's like, well, it's because they're so clever. And if, you know, these people, if they put their energy into something, you know, productive and useful, they could change the world, but no. <laughs> no, it really is. You know, and like you said, you, because society is the first one to blame the victim, we also are the first ones to blame ourselves. And yeah. that, you know, in, in looking back on it, that also makes it so much harder it makes it harder to leave it makes it harder to deal with it makes it harder to recover afterwards just that yeah. mentality that somehow in some way it's your fault not not the other person's yeah so how did did you get therapy afterwards i did and you know i really resisted it at first um I didn't want, I was stigmatized against therapy of thinking that 
you know, you had to be very broken to go to therapy and that I was too strong for that. And, you know, because of my profession working in, in police work, I, I had this negative image of, you know, that made me weak. Going to therapy was for, for weak people. And so I really resisted going for a little while. And I regret that. I regret having those stigmas and allowing those to affect my healing for so long because once I once I went and started to open up and be able to talk about the things and realize, you know, I think this way because of these things and, you know, start to unpack some of those boxes that I had stuck yeah. in the back of my mind, I had such an easier time dealing with some of the things that I was trying to heal from. And all of that time that I spent um, rejecting therapy and rejecting the help that I needed was just wasted time where I could have been healing and could have been recovering. But again, it's a, it's a society thing that we've we've put this negative connotation on asking for help. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you like, I know whenever I've been bullied or mocked or something in the past, it would be, someone would say you need help in the context in not a very nice context. You know, I mean, we are, do you need help or, you know, you know, as in, oh, do you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with you, but would you like some help? But I found in the past, like, people would say, oh, you need help. So it's like. Yeah, very bad. negative. Yeah, that's sort of this. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having something wrong with you, but I just mean it's like when they make it, it's you as a person that there's something mm-hmm. wrong. And that's why I've, why I've struggled with in the, <laughs> Sorry. That's what I've struggled with in the past myself when they say things like that. So you think to yourself, oh, no, I'm not going to get help because. Because I don't need it because I'm I'm fine, you know. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you put it in that negative light, who why would anyone want to ask for help? Yeah. So um, I know you've written a book. Um, what made you decide to want to write that book? Um. So I am actually a huge nerd and um, I have two master's degrees in in writing and it was always sort of my pipe dream that I wanted to write a book someday and I just didn't know when and how I was going to do that. And after, you know, having healed a little bit from my own from my own experiences and trying to find a way to kind of passed what I learned on to other people, it hit me that like the the best way I could do that was by writing about it and by trying to get that information in the hands of other people in a way that they can experience it and learn from it in their own way. And so that was what inspired me to write He Loves Me Not, which is my young adult fiction novel. So it's not necessarily my story. It is a a fictional story that I made up. But all of the experiences and the feelings and and the emotions that my main character goes through are very real. And they're the, you know, same experiences that I had. And that's what I hope my reader can relate to. And do you have plans to write any more books? I do, actually. I have a book coming out in October of this year um, called A Picture Worth a Thousand Words that's going to be about... um, or it is about. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say you pre already written it. <laughs> it is. It is written. It's just. It just doesn't have its pretty cover and all of that stuff yet. Um, but that one is about uh, cyberbullying and rumors and how that can affect somebody's life. 
Well, that's a, and is that another fictional story? That is also, um, it's based on a true story, not my true story, but a true story that I'm aware of, but it is a fictional story as well. Yeah, because you don't, like, you don't realise, well, I've realised myself how much online spaces can affect you, but you don't realise it at the time, do you? No, and we have this, you know, the internet and the ability to, you know, connect with people across the yeah. country and all that stuff is so wonderful, but there are there are negatives to feeling, you know, safe behind your screen. You say things that maybe you wouldn't say in person that you'd be either embarrassed or afraid or whatever. And all of a sudden it has opened up this, this whole new kind of bullying where you can do it from the, you know, anonymous space where you can just hurt people for no reason. And you think that there are no consequences to that. And so this, this book is about that, that kind of environment. Yeah, because I've noticed with social media, I'm not going to say any particular platforms, but it seems to be the way people argue as well. It just it can be just quite toxic. Instead of it being right, I don't I don't agree with you. That's your belief. I will leave it there. It's well, you're wrong for saying that, and then it's like, well, you're this for saying this, and how you know, and it's like sometimes I've read like you know, sometimes you go in that rabbit hole of reading other people's arguments, although you're on one side and then you end up dying yourself. And it can, it can be very, it can be very negative and toxic and you don't realize how much that's affecting you. Yes. So I, I've learned that over, over time and to share that as well. Yeah. Cause I found that for myself. Like I played an online game for like 18 months and I got so involved in it and with the people, with the community, and then it only took for one person to turn and for it to all fall apart. And then you're like, what? You know, I don't play that game anymore for that. That's one of the main reasons also because I think with it, it, it can be quite easy to get addicted to a game, especially when it, when it has a, a community feel of it because, you know, you end up becoming involved with the community and then you realise it's not even real i mean i know it's real as in there are people on the other side but you don't know who is on the other side they're not necessarily like you realize like for me i know i'm quite honest i am who i say i am but that doesn't mean they're who they say they are they may say they're a 15 year old kid but they're not they could be a you know yep and all of that you know the you know games and the actual social media platforms themselves they all become very addicting and you mm-hmm. you start to just mindlessly depend on them and not realize it and that can, that can also be pretty negative so there there's so many wonderful things about the technology yes, that we have now in in those social media and being able to connect with people from all around and that have similar ideas to you and things like that there's so many amazing things about it but there there are those negatives too yeah I mean, we wouldn't be able to talk now if it wasn't for the internet because that's exactly. how we found each other. But yeah, I think it's learning to, um, as I'm learning now, to actually take breaks from it. Sometimes you don't realize how much you're on it so much. And then you're like, where's my day gone? You haven't been out? <laughs> yep, exactly. But I suppose it, it kind of helped us with lockdown and everything because we weren't able to go out in the same way. <laughs> It did. And, you know, it's, there are so many 
support groups and, you know, communities like that, that we wouldn't have if it wasn't for the technology. And it's just, it's all about how you use it and how yes. you approach it. So I think that's, you know, and we don't teach that to young kids either. You don't teach that management of, okay, you know, put a boundary on it or, or yeah. And so I think it's important to remind them that there are real people behind the screens and that, you know, the words that you say can't be taken back and that they can still affect people. Yeah, they can literally not be taken back either, isn't it? Because I think once you've, even once you've deleted something, they still can have it. What I mean is the actual technology itself. Like I know with Facebook, for example, even if you delete something, they still have stuff on their, yep. on their database that you've said. So you know what I mean? You might be like, said something you didn't realize was inappropriate and then it was deleted right and so somebody has always read it somebody's taken a picture of it so you know you never yeah. know what's going to come back to haunt you so that would be years ago that. i remember saying something about work going to you know i'm not working in that job anymore but saying something about work and then going back to um work and it's like to realize you know it was so like oh, i hate my job or something yeah <laughs> yeah and I mean, those, it True. seems like such a stupid thing, right? What to just yeah. be able to say like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I can't be bothered to go to work today or whatever. And it's yeah. like, you go to work and it's like, although you do realize in those contexts, you're like, yeah, maybe asking your friends from work and not a good idea. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? You kind of learn as well. You can be friends with work. Because what I mean is some people would have seen that and just been like, ah, whatever, you know, I'm annoyed at work too sometimes, but then, you know, it's, right. But that's, I mean, that those are the kind of lessons that need to be taught to kids before they do say something that they regret and it haunts them for forever. So yeah, definitely. It's important. And how is, is are you, are you self-publishing? I am. I have self-published my first novel and plan to self-publish this one. And um, who knows what I'll do in the future. Yeah, I was wondering, so you haven't got any books planned for the future specifically? Not yet. Um, just this one that I'm I'm focusing on the one I'm putting out in October and, and we'll see what probably next year brings. That sounds so amazing. Thank so you. Tell me about a time where you have achieved a dream you thought was impossible. Well, so I had always wanted to write to write so achieving this and actually holding the physical copy of my book in my hands um the first time was really truly amazing but um you know my whole police career has really been a dream that i never really imagined for myself um as far as as far as equality you know we want to believe that women are just as equal as as men and everything that we do, but it's, it's not true. Yeah. And um, it's, it's hard to be a woman in the police world. And some of the things that I have accomplished during my career, mm -hmm. I've had to work, I've had to work twice as hard as some yeah. women. And so I think my biggest accomplishment that I really never thought I would reach was I, um, I am SWAT certified and, and, earned a place on the SWAT team. And that wow. was something a lot of people had told me that not only 
would I not be able to do, but that I couldn't do, you know, they they literally told me I couldn't do it. And so to be able to just put that back on them and say, not only, not only did you tell me that I couldn't do this, but I did it looking good. (laughs) Yes, I know what you mean. So um, I think probably that would be my, my biggest accomplishment that I am most proud of. Wow. So please give me a piece of advice you would like to give our listeners. Yeah, so um, I think the biggest piece of advice that I have is to really be gentle with yourself because I have learned through the various you know, experiences that I've had in my life that it's really easy to beat yourself up and believe that things are your fault, whether that is some sort of abuse or that is, you know, somebody else's opinion of you or just when something goes a little bit wrong and you all of a sudden, you know, think that it's the end of the world or mm-hmm. um, it putting all of that pressure on yourself doesn't make anything better. And so the best advice that I can give anyone is to just take that step back and be gentle with yourself and, and, you know, be okay with the fact that you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes be okay with the fact that, um, things aren't always going to be perfect and that sometimes things are not your fault and there isn't anything you can do about it. Things just happen. And so once, once you take that pressure off yourself and be able to look at that from the lens of like, you know, sometimes I can't control everything is really going to just make it so much easier to deal with the things that you can control and make the changes that you can change. Um, And so no matter what it is that you're facing, whether it is some sort of abuse or some sort of just big obstacle, be gentle with yourself and allow yourself to have those stumbles and have those moments where you're feeling a little bit weak or feeling a little bit down and just, you know, allow that to happen and then step step over it well done that's that's some really good advice thank you very much for coming on today thank you so much for having me thank you